Isaiah 40, 9 through 20. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Of what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for us silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today, joined by the people's favorite, <laughs> Jennifer McClish. You know what? This Jenny is Mack. one of my favorite things that I get to do oh, here well, at Christ Covenant. The The road of favoritism is two <laughs> Goes both ways. Awesome. Yes. Um, Love that. Man, and speaking of favorites, yes. Isaiah. All right. Um, you know, actually, well, I'll just go ahead and say this and I'll change it later. Yeah. On one of the accounts that I have for an unnamed entity online, uh, one of the security questions is, who is your favorite author? And my answer is Isaiah. Isaiah. I'm going to go change that. Now. Yeah, now you're going to have to change <laughs> yeah, it. And then guess, you're going to be like, wait, who is my favorite yeah, author? I, know, I, know. I thought it was. Well, every yeah. time I'm like, favorite author, like, <laughs> why did I choose it? And then I'm like, ah, Isaiah. <laughs> so we're continuing through Isaiah. And as we said yesterday, um, you know, this is sort of the hinge point of the book. So yeah. um, early Isaiah is kind of setting up Israel's uh, conundrum and then there's just a lot of woes mm-hmm. and, and the Lord pronounces judgment over r- all the nations of the earth and so you know we got Egypt we got Assyria we got all these places and then we have uh, Israel and mm. we have Judah no one is exempt and as Paul will say later all of you know sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that is what the first several chapters of Isaiah uh, and by several, I mean like 39, I guess, right. um, really lays forward. But man, the back half of Isaiah takes mm. this amazing redemptive turn that just points us straight back to Jesus. And so that's where we are. Um, Isaiah 40 is very rich. Um, yesterday's passage, you know, God begins to speak comfort to his people. There's this, you know, famous the grass withers the flower fades Mm. but the word of the lord will stand forever and really what we're going to do as we move through isaiah is figure out 
what that word of God actually is. What's this word that he's going to set into motion yeah. um, in these final days of redemption and restoration. But as we move that direction, we have this incredible portrait of God that's right. painted today. Just amazing portrait of God that is then, um, you know, contrasted to this really comical portrait of <laughs> idols. Right. So, Jenny Mac, the people are telling me yeah. to shut up and they want to know <laughs> what does the great Jennifer McClish think of uh, Isaiah 49 through 20? Right. Well, uh, the great Jennifer McClish uh, read this and is reminded again in a powerful way how unlike God I am. Mm. I think these kind of passages, it's just you are caught up short because you forget how much you actually walk through your life. Um filtering God through your own eyes, Gosh, um, yeah. projecting yourself on him, thinking he's like you and not like you. And, mm-hmm. you know, just a very man centric thing. Totally. And it's um, again, the beauty of the word of God to get us in the right space where we can actually um, flourish in this relationship with this God. It's like lift our heads and see mm. uh, who he is and who we are. So um, it just, this whole section feels so um familiar in the how many times have I looked at the circumstances um, sometimes oftentimes of my own making and just been completely despairing or without hope um, thinking that God has somehow abandoned me or at least living in a way Mm -hmm. as if that's true and then basically this is the crux of this is saying you know he's not abandoned you your best days are ahead um, because he um you know, because of who he is, not yeah. because of who I am. So mm-hmm. he brings this comfort. But in our section, it starts out with this herald the good news. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten, like, I mean, of course, we know we are supposed to herald the good news and the Great Commission and all this. But that that actually is part of God's comfort to us, that it mm-hmm. actually produces joy in us to yeah. um, Truly. be a herald of good news Truly. because you're preaching to yourself reminding yourself um, of who, how great your God is mm. and what he's done for you when you're proclaiming it to other people. Yeah, absolutely. Man, absolutely. I love, you know, there, there's just a, this incredible portrait in verses yeah. 10 through 11, yeah. uh, talking about the Lord coming with might, his arm rules, uh, you know, his reward is with him, his recompense before him. Yeah. And then this mighty warrior, mighty God, is being spoken of, you know, he turns in verse 11 and he becomes a shepherd. So yeah. he's the shepherd warrior, which is such a, a cool, profound image that, you know, it says in verse 11, he will carry them in his bosom. Yeah. You know, a, a picture of a shepherd just carrying a little lamb right. gently so as to not hurt it, I know. you know, to keep it safe. Um, you know, maybe the, the lamb doesn't have the strength to walk fast enough or is in sort of like a dangerous uh, landscape right. or whatever. And so the shepherd is gently carrying the lamb in his bosom. Right. And he gently leads those that are with young. And I know. I mean, just such a a concerned, kind shepherd warrior. Right. And, you know, just to tie it forward, when the Lord does come, you know, to claim his reward, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously the, the coming of Emmanuel, of Jesus walking yes. with us. This struck me as so profound a couple of weeks ago. John the Baptist, in, in the book of John, John sees Jesus for the first time, the mm-hmm. one who he has been prophesying toward. 
and he turns to others and and this happens twice back to back in Mm -hmm. in john one and he says behold the lamb of god who's come to take away the sins of the world Mm -hmm. and so and the portrait of jesus only gets more and more beautiful and crystal clear and complex where this shepherd warrior he comes to take away the sins of the world but not you know in this bloody angry fashion but actually becoming the lamb of god yeah i mean it's it's incredible it is incredible and just highlights again like how we get the wrong idea about god all the time absolutely and that the way to um, make sure we are seeing God for who he is, is in the word, as yep. we talked about yesterday, um, that reveals uh, his son, Jesus, because mm-hmm. Jesus, John 1, 18, came to explain to us who God is. Mm-hmm. And you can see the people of God. I mean, I, I used to, in my younger days, read this and be like, they are so stupid. Like, what yeah. are they thinking? You yeah. know, and then you grow in maturity and you're like, oh my goodness, this is me. Like God's mm-hmm. holding up a mirror to who I am, um, constantly missing who he is because it's easy to think of God as purely condemning, purely um, a warrior, um, angry, uh, full of wrath. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just like the scare. Yeah, I'm scared of him. But then this is the part, but immediately it's like, no, even the the fact that it says he comes in might, like that is such a Christian distinctive. All Mm. other religions are an kind of angry, aloof God that has a lot of demands and then you they either mm-hmm. reveal how to get to them or they're actually kind of cryptic yeah. about how it works yeah and people are struggling around but it's like you have to get to that god yeah. but even in this language it's like no god comes mm-hmm. to us but he's not coming in terror he's coming like you said as a shepherd but how mm-hmm. would even the people in jesus day i mean they struggled so much with like connecting that king with the suffering servant and the person of christ mm-hmm. And yet he has been revealing it all along this mm, way um, so that we would recognize him when he came and believe in Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in verse 12, this uh, this uh, series of questions begins to mm-hmm. unfold. Who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? and marked off the heavens with a span. Very reminiscent of Job. Yes. Uh, when God responds to Job. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Where, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? You know, where do I keep my storehouses of rain? You know, <laughs> right. And, and sort of lays out to Job, like, you're not that big. Like, you you don't know that much about me. You right. Know? Like, you, you weren't there to watch me create the world. Like, you, you don't know all these very basic things truths or, or moments of like the history of God intersecting with creation. <laughs> right. And so just trust me. Yeah. And so here Isaiah is kind of, he, it's very resonant with that, with these rhetorical questions of who has measured the spirit of the Lord, the Ruach, which is, you know, the wind, the, mm-hmm. the breath, the spirit of the Lord, um, or, or who gives him advice, you know, who shows him mm-hmm. counsel whom whom did the spirit of the lord consult and who made him understand you know it's these these questions that just point towards and i love that this is in tandem with our colossians series the preeminence of god right just the pre-existence the self-sustaining excellence of the nature of god and then he he draws this like epic large scale image of god and then he moves towards 
the idol craftsman. So <laughs> what are your thoughts on where this whole passage heads in verses 18 through 20? Right. Well, I think it's interesting in that just that section that you just described how, you know, he references creation, all these things that are big that we can see, but in even his knowledge, his wisdom, and then things that we perceive as like having you know, the power on earth, like the nations or, mm-hmm. um, and even that reference to Lebanon, it's like they had all these cedar trees for fuel. Like even if you took all the cedars of Lebanon and you piled them up in this big pyre mm-hmm. and you set them on fire and then you took all the animals and you sacrificed mm-hmm. them, like it's nothing, it's nothing, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. God is everything, everything, everything. And yet he's not only able to do what needs to be done to mm-hmm. solve this, you know, actual problem that we all have he's willing and then it's like you you can just feel it like expanding um i was just actually talking my youngest just um son just was in um colorado leading um backpacking trips at a camp Mm -hmm. and he was saying how he took a a family out and the kids were struggling and were just hating every minute of it (laughs) but they were trying to do a sunrise hike and they were trying to hike up to the edge of a bowl so he had been there and he's like this is going to be so epic guys. Like just keep going. It's going to be so great. And cause he had been there, it's, you get a 360 degree view Gosh. of this sunrise. Yeah. Right. And it's glorious. And they just could not, <laughs> they were very young, but still, you yeah. know, and the parents are, he's yeah. like, first of all, I've never seen such patience. So it was teaching him, but anyway, they made it part way up and they still saw a glorious sunrise, but he knew it was mm. even greater. And we were just talking about how faith is not about like how much you can muster. It's like, you're heading towards, Jesus, like you're pointed towards Jesus, but some people have this huge vision of who he is because they've been in the word and they've let it, the spirit transform their minds and it's glorious. And so Isaiah is obviously experiencing this and pointing us to this glory unimaginable. Mm. And then he drops this. And what do you look at? Like an idol. I mean, the juxtaposition is like, like you said earlier, it's comical. Yes. It's nothing like, and of course we can even see and we're like, yeah, that's so primitive, like actual, you know, yeah. wooden objects, yeah. um, inanimate objects. What are they talking about? Right. But what God's telling us that. is yeah. you looking to your achievements for worth mm-hmm. and value is like bowing down to a stick. Yeah. yeah. Like you looking to your children to give you the good thing that I'm giving you to like mm-hmm. prove your worth in the world, like mm-hmm. me looking at my motherhood and how well I did yeah. to look for my value and worth. It's like a mm-hmm. stick, mm-hmm. like what? <laughs> totally. And that though is like, it, this is the way for it. How do you like forsake the idols that are, you know, so prevalent all around us and these simple hearts that we have that are so prone to worship the wrong things it's like behold your God, mm-hmm. like get a get a greater pray, beg God for a greater vision. Like Moses, you want to see His glory, so that you're not stopping at the hard part, or even halfway. You just keep going, mm-hmm. and you're forsaking. You're you know you're leaving all these idols behind. I mean, to me, it's such a beautiful picture. Absolutely, you know, there's a. I'm not really gonna dig into this can of worms, but I do kind of want to open it for food for thought. But I think a really relatable, like a way that we can make 18 through 20, uh, very, very tangibly relatable to like the cultural moment that we're Mm -hmm. in. Of course you could like pretty easily liken this to like 
you know, finding your identity and like the type of home that you live in. Yeah. Like that's literally wood. Like Right. Yeah. It's a wooden that, frame that you're. In, exactly. In we were watching fall apart before our yeah, eyes. Exactly. Like the amount of work it takes to keep your to, house like, yeah. from rotting oh around gosh. you. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And so like there's some like on the nose and like faithful comparisons there. But one thing that I I think about with this is our obsession with novelty and like mm. ide- ideological novelty mm-hmm. and how so much of the secular Atlanta world that we're surrounded with might not necessarily find, I mean, especially me as an artist, a lot of the people that I know through circles aren't necessarily like rich mm-hmm. and don't have like super awesome stuff because mm-hmm. we're artists living in the big city. But people find their identity in like an idea or in a tribe that is really like an idea that might be like five years old, but it is yeah. being clung to. And, and I've just read a lot. Or 5,000 years. I mean, literally there's nothing new under the sun. That's yeah, what's crazy. Absolutely. These ideas seem so new, but they're rooted in totally philosophy but from thousand years ago. Like, you know, there's, I've been reading a lot of like secular morality mm-hmm. sort of arguments and stuff. Mm-hmm. And basically the whole premise of these arguments is that, Humanity has been wrong for millions of years and like we've we're cracking the code of morality (laughs) and there's so much like generational arrogance in there of like we're right and everyone else was wrong. Yeah. And but it's similar to somebody who forms an image and begins to worship it. It's like we as a culture are like shaping these like these in a way they're not new and in a way they are new ideas on sexuality and identity and everything and then bowing down and worshiping to these things that are like brand new as though they were the ones that have shaped humanity all along yes and again that's a much broader like topic but i do love the point that you push this back to is the answer here is behold god you know this the spirit that can't be measured that all the nations are a drop in the bucket they're counted as nothing to him but right we're going to see, you know, in one way, this diminishes like the value of all these nations, but we're going to see that God is actually very jealous for those nations yes. in these passages in yes. Isaiah. So it's going to be really powerful it moving is. forward. I'm so excited. let's go ahead and move forward. Okay. For Jennifer McClish, this is Will Carlisle, and we cannot wait to see you as we continue through Isaiah tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404 465 1737 or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.